Welcome to the 59th ACC Now podcast. I'm sports columnist Luke Decock, and we're gonna the next few podcasts. They're gonna be a little different. We're gonna do sort of what we did off of ACC Football Media Day, where we have a, a lot of conversations with a lot of people, and we sort of uh, block them together into podcasts. So we're starting today with Hubert Davis, the UNC coach, second year UNC coach, fresh off a trip to the Final Four. Uh, and he's sat down with us in Charlotte at ACC Basketball Tip-Off. Uh, Jim Laranega will follow him. And then over the next couple weeks, you know, Kevin Keats, John Shire, Jacob Brett Grandison from Duke, Mike Bray, Jeff Capel, Steve Forbes, um, Louisville's L. Ellis, who's from Durham and, and grew up uh, in the Triangle and very much a part of that scene. Uh, we have conversations with all of them that we're going to share with you eventually. Uh, but Hubert Davis with North Carolina atop the uh, uh, the uh, AP poll to start the season seemed like the best place to start. And it's, it's a really interesting conversation with him um, as it goes on. And without further ado, we'll get right to that. We're joined now by UNC head coach Hubert Davis, who last year was the new guy. And this year he's been to a Final Four. He's here. He knows everybody. Of course, he knew everybody before um, anything different for you, this this sort of media day process this time around? No, not at all. I mean, I've been a part of the media. I worked with ESPN for seven years. I forget and so, that you have that side of the experience, too. As yeah, so media is, is nothing new to me. And um, I feel the same way this year compared to last year. I'm just so excited and honored and thankful and blessed to be in this position. I love the kids that I'm around every day, um, giving them an opportunity to – um, play at the highest level, play at University of North Carolina, and and to be one of their coaches. And just excited to be around them every day and be in the position to help them and coach them and love them and serve them um, one, every day. Very famously last year, we found out in New Orleans that you had given them a picture of the Superdome. Yeah. Uh, are you doing it? Do you do something like that this year, or is that a one? Is that a, a card you play once? Well, that you know, that's something you know, I always – in communication with the team, I think it's important to see and have a clear understanding of where you want to go. Once you have that, I've always believed in it and I've been taught to focus on, you know, the preparation and the process. And that's something that I consistently talk with the guys about is like every day, let's, let's work on our preparation. Let's work on our practice. And at the end of the day, we'll be happy with the results. And so I'm, I'm happy with our effort in the first couple weeks of practice, and I'm looking forward to our improvement every day. And at the end of the year, we'll see where we are. Did the experience of last season and the postseason change your relationship with guys like Mando, Caleb, RJ? <laughs> Not at all. Really? Not at all. I, you know, relationships is the foundation of what Carolina is about. And so um, I have great relationships yeah. with them. I had them the nine years that I was an assistant. Uh, I always tell the guys, I can't coach you unless I know you, and you can't play for me unless you know me. So the only way I can get to know you and the only way that you can get to know me is we got to spend time together. And so I require the guys uh, to stop by the office three times a week. We can't talk about basketball. And um, if I say the only interaction that I have with these guys is on the court, then I'm not doing my job. And so um, – I have great relationships with all the players, and I learned that's that's one of the special parts of my job. Yeah, it just seems like when you go through what you guys went through, especially how crazy it got. You know, when you think about Fort Worth and well, it was crazy the whole year. I mean, we, you know, we 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 experienced the yeah. whole season together. Yeah. You know, and that's 
that's the cool part. And that's the exciting part about this season is, you know, what kind of memories and stories and testimonies are we going to share together this year? This is this year's team. We have last year's team, but how, what, what's going to happen this year? And that's the cool and exciting part is, is doing that together. And I'm really looking forward to it. How, how have those guys grown? Those, I mean, you're, you're sort of big three. I know you have more players and all that, but, but those guys are here. How have they, how have they grown since last season in, in, as, as players, as people? Well, I, you know, I think their growth has come in a, a number of different areas. Uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of their growth has come from the shared experiences that they've had over the last two or three years. You know, what they went through last year, you know, new coach, new coaching staff. We made tweaks and pivots and alters and how we play on both ends of the floor. And then the experience of doing that together all last year, there's tremendous growth here. Now, now those guys know what it feels like to put on that uniform and to run out of that tunnel and come up big in big time situations with a, a Carolina uniform on. And um, that's something where they don't have to hear stories from former players anymore. Now they have their own. I felt I got that sense at the final four that you had almost like your experiences that you had been telling them about had finally transferred to them. They, and did. they were sharing in that with you now. That was one of the greatest joys of last season was that now they have their stories and just to see it was so joyful for me to see the smiles and experiences of them sharing it uh, with their teammates, uh, sharing it with their family and their friends, and for them now getting it yeah. and what it means like. And so um, that was one of the things that I that I enjoyed about last year is, uh, is, is, the, is the experiences that those guys have had. Yeah. All right, let's spin forward to this year. <laughs> Obviously, you, you, you hit gold in the transfer portal with Brady. I know you really like Pete as a player. I different, do. Different player, but he could do some of those things and let you do some of the things that work so well in your offense. Yeah. Um, you know, Brady is Brady and Pete Nance is Pete Nance. And I'm I'm so thankful that um, Pete is a part of Carolina basketball. I, he's only been on our team for two and a half, three months. I feel like Pete has been there for four years. I have such a great relationship with him. And I... I couldn't imagine not coaching and not being around and not talking to him every day. His ability defensively is off the chart. He has tremendous length. He can guard one through five. On the offensive end, he can shoot. He can pass. He's an unbelievable screener and communicator. And he, he just knows how to play. And him and Armando out there on the floor, tremendous chemistry already. And I just... Um, Pete's going to have a terrific year this year, and he's exactly what we were looking for. Did you know that the first time you watched his tape or the first, or aware of that, or did you kind of become aware of that as you got to know him? I did know it, and, and I'm becoming, every time he's on the floor, I'm becoming more aware of, you know, how unbelievably good he is. <laughs> you know, on tape, you can only do so much, and I knew that he was exactly what we needed. And then, you know, you you combine you know, spending time with him and the relationships and then how he interacts and, and uh, you know, with the other players and then just the way that he knows how to play the game. I'm shocked that he's not in the NBA. You know, when you talk about the prototypical big guy now, a big that can shoot, pass, dribble, can defend one through five and can move, I can't believe he's with us. And so I'm very thankful that he ended up at Carolina, but He's going to be in the NBA. He's going to have a long, unbelievable career there as well. Last question for you. We've talked about a number of things, but is there one thing you're most excited about 
going forward with this group this season? I'm excited about, um, you know, one of the things that we also talked about at practice yesterday is a hunger and thirst. And, and I told them that's going to be the foundation of our success this year is, you know, how hungry are you guys? Are you guys satisfied? And one of the things that I let them know is I'm starving. I'm not just hungry. I'm starving. And, and if we can get 18 guys that are not hungry, that are starving, um, I like our chances at the end of the year becoming the best team that we can possibly become. What that amounts to, it is what it is. But my focus is on this team reaching its full potential, just like last year's. I felt like last year's team reached its full potential. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. <laughs> We're joined by Jim Laranega, uh, who I, we had the pleasure, Steve and I, of watching the, the Auburn-Miami game and others in Greenville last year, since we were there with, with Duke. Um, and you spoke there, this is where I want to start, you spoke there about you were pushing back against the narrative that developed around the ACC, which your team played a huge role in destroying over the course of the NCAA tournament. What can the league do to put itself in a better position this year, other than just win early? Well, that's the whole key. I spoke to members of the committee, and, uh, the selection committee for the NCAA tournament, and I think the whole key, as they explained to me, is quad one wins. You got to beat good teams, and you got you got to beat bad teams. You don't want to lose to a quad three or four because that destroys your ability to say we're really good. If you can't beat the weaker teams on your schedule, you're not getting into the NCAA. But you have to have a number of quality wins to prove that you can compete at the highest level. Our league did not do that in in November and December. So unfortunately, we only got five teams into the postseason, uh, into the big dance. But once we got in there, three teams in the Elite Eight, two in the Final Four, and I think that, that indicated that the ACC, even in a year when people are saying we're down, has quality teams and maybe deserves a lot more respect than, than we got. No, I think that was, that was pretty obvious, and it feels like, going into this season, in part because there's more players back this year, some of the high-profile transfers. It feels like that may have shifted a little bit in terms of the perception of the league. But also, probably, as you said, having as many teams in the Elite Eight tends to do that regardless. I mean, is that in your conversations with your peers? Do you get the sense that that's changed at all? Well, first of all, I think this season we're going to be much better in the non-conference because we have a lot of veteran players returning. We have a lot of newcomers as well. So there'll be certain teams that'll take some time to gel. But I, I think this is a year that we'll end up with eight or nine teams in, in the NCAA tournament. Has, um, switch gears real quick, has NIL changed much about the dynamic of the team? Nigel Pat came into your school and there's a lot of talk about you might get this deal, might get that deal. Um, how have you navigated that part of that and how have you seen that change? Well, the difference between the University of Miami and our approach to NIL is based on the state of Florida. The state of Florida law does not allow our university, our athletic department, or our coaches to be involved in any NIL discussions with possible sponsors and donors. Okay, so I had nothing to do with any of our, our players' NIL deals. But what my responsibility is, is to educate our players about NIL and how it works. And I use the comparison, I told the players, back in the early 1980s, shoe companies decided that they were going to pay college coaches and provide shoes and gear 
for their teams and pay coaches. Now, not every coach got a contract, but over the course of a decade, more and more coaches were getting contracts from shoe companies. The shoe companies started to compete. Nike started it, then Adidas got in, then Reebok, now Under Armour. And then what ended up happening, that filtered out to all sports, that athletic departments were getting all school deals. So it wasn't just the basketball program. It was the football program, the baseball program, the, the non-revenue sports, the women's programs. And so that's what's going to happen with NIL, I believe. And eventually the NCAA will come up with more stricter guidelines and maybe even declare the student athlete an employee of the university. Because basically they generate a lot of income for these schools, especially in football and basketball. That's great. All right. So you mentioned the early 80s. Wanted to ask you about this anyway. Now with the ACC, we, the conference office is moving. We played the tournament in Brooklyn, which I know you love. Um, <laughs> but what do you, when you think of the ACC in your days at Virginia and 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 and, and now coming back, like twelve years you just said at Miami. Uh, what is the core of the ACC, and is there a risk as this all this attention is placed on football of moving away from the parts of basketball that have traditionally made the ACC successful? Well, obviously, football deserves all the attention it's getting uh, because it's making national news with what's happening around the country with, with teams changing leagues. And that's always going to be the case because revenue, a money stream coming into a university is very, very important. But traditionally, the ACC has been, been the best basketball league forever. And I don't think that... that uh, uh, the coaches are, are going to blink. I think we're going to make the adjustments to whatever the rules are, whether it's NIL, transfer portal, uh, recruiting guidelines, what have you. I think the ACC, as long as it exists, is going to be great in basketball. One of the things that has happened for the ACC to its benefit is a program like Clemson won national championships. So people like winning and the Football league, uh, the uh, football conferences have now come up with an NCAA tournament format. And, hey, they have their Final Four. Now they're expanding, going to twelve. And and but basketball has done that. I'd love to see us expand and go to ninety six. Uh, but it's it, it it's going to continue. There's there's going to constantly be a uh, a transition and changes being made. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all right, you're on the record as pro-tournament expansion, which is something that's come up a lot today. One of the other things that's been mentioned with that is getting rid of some of the automatic qualifiers or making it harder for one-bid leads to get in, which would benefit the ACC. But with your experience at George Mason, I'm guessing you would be against that, I mean, having been on that side of it? No, I, I, I'm for the, the philosophy that um, student-athletes deserve the opportunity have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament no matter what league they come from. I I didn't play in the NCAA tournament as a player. It's one of the things I would have loved to have done. My Providence College team lost to Villanova by a point, and that kept us out of the big dance. Villanova went on to compete for the national championship and lost to UCLA. That could have been me. That could have been Providence. And they did that two years after I left. I was like, dang, I just missed out. Now, if we expand the tournament, maybe mid-majors, low-majors will get in because my theory, my vision for the NCAA tournament is 96 teams, the 32 teams that win their conference, you get a bye. You don't play in the first round. 
All of those people that got at-large bids face off against each other. 32 teams win, 32 teams go home. Now the conference champions play the at-large teams. Those teams then play off until you get to the national championship game. That's a different twist on it. I like that. I like that. So even like the conference champion from, you know, a smaller league like like the MEAC or somebody like that, they get a buy because they... They won their league. They've earned their way in. You know, when you go to college and, and you're playing in a, in a conference, you should be rewarded, rewarded for that. Now, the reason I say you have teams that win their regular season, don't win their tournament, and don't get to go, where do they go? They go to the NIT. Well, they should be in the big dance. Invite them to the dance now, and now you got two teams from a small league. Now, but like in the ACC, if you look at Virginia specifically and Wake Forest last year, if I asked you before the season, if you win 13 ACC games, 13 and 7 is your league record, are you going to the big dance? In the history of the league, the answer 100% of the time yep. is yes. Last year, Virginia didn't go. It's, just, it's crazy because what Steve Forbes was talking about this earlier, they beat UNC, not a quad one win. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine yeah. the universe in which that it just it's not what any of us are would it does we can't process that well here's another one we lost to florida state twice by a point both times when they were healthy right after us they had injuries and sickness and loss and so our losses were bad losses to a great team how do you measure that? How do you evaluate that in the selection process if you're on a committee who's looking at Florida State and Miami yeah. and trying to determine like which one of those teams should go? Well, Miami has the better record. We went 14 and six, they had all those losses, but when we were 100% and they were 100%, it was a dogfight. That's good stuff. Jim, thank you for your time. My pleasure, guys. Thank you.